Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us for episode 545 with Alan Stein Jr. Alan has worked with some legendary basketball players and distilled some wisdom about the fundamental habits and mindsets that separate high performers on the field or court, as it were, as well as the professional field from the rest of folks. You'll learn one, the universal skill every professional needs. Two, the secret to making remarkable change last. And three, a powerful mantra to keep you grounded and present. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F545 or tap click that link in your episode notes description in your podcast app player of choice to get it faster that away. Here's Alan's story. Alan Stein Jr. is a keynote speaker and author who's spent 15 plus years as a performance coach working with famous high-performing basketball players. He now teaches audiences how to utilize the same strategies in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. Alan specializes in improving individual and organizational leadership, performance, and accountability. He inspires and empowers everyone he works with to take immediate action and improve mindset, habits, and productivity which is what makes him one of the top motivational speakers around. Big thanks to Alan for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provider compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com now, here's Alan. Alan, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Absolutely my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Oh, me too. Me too. Well, let's hear just a smidge about your background. So you used to work as a performance coach for professional basketball players, including Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. What exactly does that mean, a performance coach? What do you do and how does that translate into better results? Sure. Well, the the original moniker was strength and conditioning coach. So I was always responsible for uh, kind of the fitness and athleticism side of training. But as that industry progressed, uh, we, I say we as in I'm uniting all coaches, uh, mm -hmm. decided that strength and conditioning were just two of the pillars of performance that we actually worked on. So most coaches today that, that are in that field go by performance coach. And yeah, I was responsible for every asset, uh, every facet of performance, except for the actual skill work. Uh, so things like improving hand-eye coordination and explosiveness and acceleration and deceleration, everything that goes under the umbrella of athleticism and was able to work with some really good players and really good coaches uh, who taught me every bit as much as I'd like to believe I taught them and then decided I was going to take all of those lessons and 
pivot those to a new audience, which is what I do now. That's cool. That's cool. Well, so can you tell us an example maybe of, hey, here's something that you did in that realm beyond just, you know, strength, and then what result that emerged there? Yeah, well, I think the foundation of it all, and I know you had mentioned with the the rest in peace with the very sudden and untimely and tragic death of Kobe Bryant, but one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was from Kobe at a camp that I worked for him back in 2007, and it's actually how I open every single keynote uh, with that story of meeting him, and the lesson that he taught me was that if you want to be great at something, you never get bored with the basics, that you fall in love with the fundamentals and you fall in love with the process of doing the basics over over and over during the unseen hours until you come as close to mastery as possible. And uh, that is incredibly applicable to every walk of life. I mean, that's something that is very true on the basketball court. You know, with a basketball player, you have to work on your footwork uh, because your footwork is involved in everything you do on the court. Uh, And then I translate that same message to folks in the corporate world about figuring out what are your basics and your fundamentals that you need to master to be awesome at your job. And once folks have an understanding of those, then they just need to have the humility and the consistency to do them every single day. Mm -hmm. Also, I'd love it if you could highlight what are some of those basics that show up a lot for folks who wanna be awesome at their jobs. Almost unilaterally in any industry, I can't think of anything where being a better listener wouldn't serve serve you very well. You know, if you're in any type of leadership position, you know, you're a manager, a director, a supervisor, an executive, uh, whether you're in sales, uh, whether you're in customer service or customer experience, uh, I can't think of anything that wouldn't be drastically heightened if you improved your ability to actively listen, uh, to ask insightful questions, then listen to the response, and then make sure that either your response or your behavior pivots accordingly based on what they said. Um, And not only does this help you Uh, take in more accurate information and make better decisions. But anytime we listen to someone, uh, it unconsciously shows them that we care about them. Uh, Because in today's day and age, our attention in the present moment is our most valuable currency. And when you show someone by listening with uh, good eye contact and warm body language and nodding your head, you're showing them that you're willing to invest your most precious resource and your most precious currency into them. And that is a glue that strengthens human connection. And regardless of what vocation you're in, we're all in the relationship and people business. And anytime we can strengthen those connections, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Well, yes, I'm on board. Listening sounds great. And more of it would be good. We've had a couple episodes about listening. And uh, boy, I think we'd have a whole lot more. So let's dig in a little bit here. So you've put a lot of these insights into your book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets for the Best of the Best. What are some of the top high performance secrets from the best of the best? One of them we talked about was basic, so I think we're going to revisit that one some more. For sure. But um, what'd you say is the big idea and some of those top secrets we should all know? Well, what's kind of funny is my my publisher always gets irritated with me when they think I'm disparaging the subtitle. Uh, But I told them in jest, you know, we're going to use the word secrets because it's something that attracts people and we want to get as many eyes on this book as possible. But there really are no secrets to high performance. I mean, what it takes to be awesome at your job. I have. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what it takes to be awesome at your job, uh, those pillars are readily available to anyone. In fact, they're things that most people already know intuitively and intellectually. But it doesn't mean they're doing them. And that's really the big idea of the book is what's called a performance gap. And that's the gap between what we know we're supposed to do 
and what we actually do. And if you want to be awesome at your job, you have to learn how to close that gap. A perfect example would be, you know, uh, I bet every one of your listeners right now knows what healthy foods are, sure. knows that they're supposed to get adequate sleep every night and knows that they're supposed to do some type of physical fitness workout um, throughout the week, you know, a couple of times a week. I mean, I don't think there's a, a functioning adult on the planet that doesn't know those three things to improve health, uh, vitality, longevity. Um, so everybody knows that, but we can even look at the statistics. Not very many people are doing that. Not many people eat a healthy diet, get adequate sleep, and work out consistently. And that's a perfect example of, in a health and fitness, performance gap. Uh, we all know what we're supposed to do, but very few people do it. And mm -hmm. when I bring that up, it's never to disparage or diminish someone. It's never to call them out or to make them feel bad. It's simply to shine the light on the fact that you know what you're supposed to do, but you're not doing it. And that's, that's where we have to start making progress. And I just use health and fitness as an example because it's an easy one. Uh, we could easily say the same thing uh, for our financial lives or for relationships. You know, or, uh, I mean, there's not a, a person alive that doesn't know what things they should do to continue to have a thriving marriage. Yet many people, after 10 to 20 years of being marriage, married, they no longer do those things. And then they wonder why their relationship is on the rocks uh, or financially. Does anyone know you're not supposed to save some money and put some money away for the future? Everybody knows that, but not very many people do it. And uh, to me, I've always been fascinated why groups of really intelligent people, which is what we all are walking around as human beings, why would we not do the things that we know we're supposed to do? Uh, and the answer comes down to these things aren't always easy to do. And we all as human beings usually default to what's easiest and most comfortable Yet that's very, very, uh, that's not very often the path to growth is ease and comfort. Oh, yeah, there's a lot there. I like it. So there's quite the distinction there between that's basic. In other words, it's not complicated, but it's not easy. It takes some effort from you. So absolutely they call it uh, entropy or, or whatever the concept is. We like our comfort and kind of just doing what feels good in a given moment and not maybe what seems super boring <laughs> because it's basic and you've done it a lot of times. So yeah, I think you've done a fine job of teeing up the challenge. There is a performance gap. We're not doing the things that we know we should or could do to get the results that would be helpful. So let's talk about some ways to push through that then. If sure you want to do more of the basics, and I'm just gonna say for being awesome at your job, boy, we could talk about a lot. I think sleep is a big one. Listening is a big one. Absolutely. I think maybe one would be not checking your email constantly, you know, but rather just under a couple batch times of the day, but yep. you know, email's easier and maybe interesting. Like what I have to do now is kind of boring and hard, but my email might be cool and easy. So well, let me go over there. Uh, maybe making a, a list of things that are the most critical to do during this day or week or month, and then um, making sure that you attack them. So those are some of the basics. We've heard yes. it from many guests many times. So if you're not doing it, you're not feeling it, how do... <laughs> You just start doing it. Well, absolutely. And I, I've got a, a basic process to follow, but not necessarily an easy one. And I'm so glad that you brought up the difference between those two because All right. many people do use basic and easy as if they're interchangeable, as if they're synonymous and, and they're not. You know, I, I tell folks all the time during my keynotes, everything I'm going to share with you today is going to be very basic. Nothing I'm going to share with you today is going to be easy to implement. Because if it was, you'd already be doing it. So uh, first and foremost, and this is just kind of the ground level, you have to have the self-awareness enough to know that you have a performance gap. 
Like you have to be willing to look in the mirror and say, I know I'm supposed to get enough sleep, but I don't. I know I'm supposed to save money, but I'm not. So without awareness, then you just continue to go through life aloof. So once you have the awareness, then there's a very distinct three-step process. Uh, the first process is once you've narrowed it down to the, the performance gap that you're talking about, and let's just say it's getting more sleep, uh, then you just have to pick one habit or one behavior that you want to change. Uh, see, especially with a lot of high performers and high drivers, uh, they're enticed into wanting to change several things at once. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna get blackout curtains for my room. I'm going to get an, an easy nest uh, uh, thermostat for my room. I'm going to buy a sleep mask. I'm going to take this cocktail of, of uh, melatonin supplements at night. I'm going to and they come up with this long list of things they're going to do. And then they end up getting so stifled by it that they end up doing none of it. Uh, the key is just picking one thing to have hyper focus on. So if you realize that you're not getting adequate sleep, pick one thing. And let's just say that one thing is going to be, I'm going to set a consistent bedtime. So that's the only thing you're going to focus on. You're not going to worry about anything else right now, just the one thing. Uh, then the next thing you need to do, so once you've established that one thing, is you want to aim to do that for 66 straight days. Mm -hmm. You want to start to build some momentum and, and some continuity. Now, there's nothing really magical about 66, except there is some research out there that says that when you do something daily for 66 days in a row, it starts to reduce the friction. Um, so I just like that because it's an easy number to remember and it can be something very visual. You know, I'm a visual guy. So for me, uh, I'll go get an old school calendar from, from Office Depot and a big red Sharpie. And every night that I go to bed at this bedtime that I set, I'm going to put a big red X on my calendar and I'm going to be committed to doing this until there's 66 red X's in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, now, anyone that, that's into habits, I highly recommend you read James Clear book, James Clear's book called Atomic Habits. Uh, most of everything I teach on habits has come from James, uh, and he's got a lot deeper insight into that concept. But let's just try to build some momentum. So that's the second step. So we pick one thing. We're committed to doing it for 66 days. And then the third piece is you need to keep the spotlight of accountability on. And you do this by insulating yourself with an accountability partner or an accountability group of people that is going to hold you to that. Uh, so in this example, I might say, you know, hey, Pete, I'm really trying to get better sleep at night. I promised myself I'm going to go to bed every night at 930. I'm going to make a commitment to doing this for the next 66 days. But would you mind checking in with me? You know, since you're my buddy, would you mind texting me every morning and asking me if I I did go to bed uh, at 930. Um, so that way I've got someone else keeping that light on me. And statistically, if you're willing to focus on one thing at a time, you're committed to doing it for 66 days and you have some self-accountability and you get people that you know want to see you successful, hold you accountable. If you do those three things, you have a really good chance of changing that behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay, super. So then I suppose that's, you lock one in over the course of six days and then start another as opposed to yes. doing multiples at once. You focus on one at a time and then you would give it that amount of time before you take on another. You nailed it. And that to me, that's the main reason that most New Year's resolutions don't work. It's because of the plural part. Okay. It's because most people wake up on January 1st and say, you know, uh, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to get more sleep. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start saving money. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to call all my, I'm, and they, they want to do all of these things. And while I, I certainly applaud uh, how noble their intentions are, and I, I love that they're trying to better themselves statistically by the third or fourth week of January, 
most of those people aren't doing most of those things. And it's because as human beings, we're wired to have that hyper focus. So uh, set yourself up for success by only picking that one thing and having hyper focus. And that in and of itself is hard to do because most people think, oh, I can handle two or three changes at once. Like, oh, those statistics are for normal people. I can do it. Well, you might be the exception, but let's play the odds in our favor. Let's Let's use the statistics and the research to say, I'm going to do my very best to stay focused on this one thing. Very basic in premise, very hard to do. You know, I've fallen for that myself. It's, oh, I can handle doing it more and more. And the compromise, I try to reach to myself when I'm having this argument. It's like, okay, well, only one of them counts. It's <laughs> yes. like for the X, if you will, on the calendar, the points or to report to the accountability party. It's like the rest are just like extra credit if you really feel like it and you're in the mood go for it. But Absolutely. Um, I'm not bending over backwards to pull those off. It's the one thing that um, gets the points scored and gets reported out. Exactly. And I think we can all fall victim to that. And and once again, I, I'm not saying that it's impossible to change more than one thing at a time. And I'm not saying people can't do it. I'm just saying we should all have the humility to go into it, not thinking that we're the exception and let's do our best with this. And And of course, these I'm throwing out very general, uh, a general prescription. I don't think anything is a one size fits all, but I think if you're going to start, you're better off starting conservative. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm with you. Well, so then let's talk about some of the basics that uh, make a world of difference. Sleep, I think, is huge. And huge. you've given that as an example. What have you found, I'd say, particularly for professionals, are some basics, some habits that are often real top contenders for being things that unlock a whole lot of power for you? Well, what I'll do is I'm going to give you a framework so that your listeners can actually figure out what those things are for themselves. All right. Well, what I'd say is for your listeners to take five or 10 minutes, and I just want you to reflect on the, the four or five activities that really fill your own bucket, that charge you up physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, sit with pen to paper and think what things get me going. You know, maybe it's taking a yoga class or a spin class. Uh, maybe it's prayer or meditation. Uh, maybe it's quietly reading the newspaper with a cup of coffee or taking a hot bath or taking your dog for a walk. Whatever activities fill your bucket, I want you to come up with a list of those four or five things. And then take another few minutes and I want you to reflect on what your morning and evening routine looks like. Jot down what you do most mornings and what you do most evenings. Now, I'm aware that most people listening, uh, if you work a conventional job, uh, your Wednesday morning is not going to be the same as your Sunday morning or your Saturday evening is not the same as your Tuesday evening. That's okay. But I'm willing to bet that what you do most Wednesday mornings and what you do most Sunday evenings is probably fairly similar because as human beings, we're creatures of habit. So just start to etch out what you do on the bookends of your day. And then you've got these two sets of notes. And what I want you to do is compare those two sets. I want you to see if you're actually making time in the beginning and end of your day to do the things that you know fill your bucket. And for most people, this is when they start to find some glaring performance gaps. They know that taking a yoga class or or meditating or taking their dog for a walk are the things that that jive them up and yet they don't make the time to do those things near as often as they should. And uh, that's where I want folks to start making the first little tweaks is using the bookends of your day, the first 60 minutes when you wake up and the last 60 minutes before you go to bed to do things that refill your bucket because that's the only way for you to be awesome at your job is if your bucket is full. 
I mean, it's the only way you can serve others. You know, there's an old adage that's been around a lot longer than I've been breathing that says you can't pour anything out of an empty cup, Mm -hmm. which means if your cup is empty, you have nothing to give other people. So in order for you to be the, the most awesome you can be at your job, you have to make sure your battery is always charged and your bucket is always full. And the, the last way I'll, I'll illustrate that since I'm a basketball guy, you know, I, I don't know if the Lakers are playing tonight or not, but I know if they had a game tonight and LeBron showed up and he wasn't, he didn't get good sleep. Uh, he, he wasn't well hydrated. He didn't eat anything. Um, you know, he didn't do his, his, his stretches or his corrective exercises. You know, if he didn't do all of those things and he showed up tonight, he would give the Lakers less of a chance to win because he chose not to fill his bucket before he showed up. And we all have to view ourselves as kind of the LeBron of our jobs and that when I show up, I need to show up as my best self. And in order to be my best self, I have to make the time to take care of myself. And when we're all willing to do that, that's the most basic principle we should all be living by to become the best versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much good stuff there. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. So let's talk about you know the game day, if you will. You talk about playing present. Yes. And so I guess part of the game was, hey, prepping in advance. And then another part of the game is really being present while you're there. First of all, what do you mean by this term? I've heard both Nick Saban, the head football coach at Alabama, and I've heard Oprah Winfrey, who I probably don't even need to say her last name. She's that famous. Uh, They've both used the term be where your feet are. And and I love that because uh, to me, it has such a strong connotation of being in the present moment. Be where your feet are. Now, if anyone listening is going, well, how could you be anywhere other than your feet? Now I'm talking about the connection between mind and body. Because in today's day and age of digital distractions, there's plenty of times where we're somewhere, Mm -hmm. but we're not really somewhere. We're so busy staring at our phones. He was using his fingers on the phone since we're not recording the video. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's ultimately... The problem. And, and I think a lot of us do that. You know, you're out to lunch with someone and you're so preoccupied with your phone that you're not really with that person. And the key to high performance is making sure mind, body, and soul are all aligned right where you are. And once again, very basic premise, very, very difficult to do, especially with all of these digital distractions that we have. So learning how to be in the moment, uh, not distracted by the past, not worried about the future, not worried about the play that just happened, but completely focused on the next play is vital to being awesome at your job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I buy it. And so then how do we get there in terms of if we're naturally distracted by either our devices or other thoughts, worries, Uh, What else we need to be doing? How do we develop the capacity to be present? Like anything else, it'll take some practice. And as I said before, it starts with awareness. So first, you have to be aware of when you're not present. You have to be able to catch yourself saying, man, there I go thinking about yesterday or here I am worried about tomorrow um, or here I'm, I'm constantly letting my phone own me instead of me owning it. So you have to have the awareness. And once you have the awareness, then you'll start to catch yourself more quickly. And once you do that, the other part part that's really important is giving yourself some grace and some compassion. Just know that even a Tibetan monk of 80 years isn't present every moment of every day. Now, they're present more consistently than probably guys like you and I are, but nobody's perfect. And I don't ever want someone to get stifled by perfection. I want you to be motivated and inspired by progress, not stifled by perfection. So just know that you're never going to have a day where you're 100% present every moment of every day. But can you be more present today 
than you've been in the past? Can you have a, a self-talk or a triggering mechanism that you catch yourself when you're not present to snap yourself back into the moment? I mean, I, I literally say to myself, not out loud, they have me committed. I say to myself, be where your feet are, be where your feet are. Like, don't worry about that. That one's over, Alan, get back to the present. And, and I really believe that the definition of mental toughness is the ability to refocus the lens on the next most important thing, regardless of the environment. It's the acronym WIN, W-I-N, what's important now. And as long as you can always stay focused on what's important now, you'll be in the present moment. You know, I like that a lot. You know, be where your feet are. I've heard some variations. I think it's from Joseph Goldstein, a mindfulness teacher, talking about um, sit and know that you are sitting. I don't know if he made it up, but I think it's yes. really good. <laughs> or just sort of breathe and know that you're breathing. Because it always like, well, of course I know I'm sitting. Of course it was like, yeah, but you know, you're not really sort of like there, there, you know, in yeah. terms of what's going on. So be where your feet are. Another way to convey that. I dig it. And so then I also want to get your view. If we're kind of focused in the present moment, is it possible to lose sight of the bigger picture, the overall goal? Because we're just maybe, I don't know, reacting, responding, where we're so in the now moment of what's happening. We're not sort of charting a course and driving to where we're trying to go. Is that a risk? That's an excellent perspective. And it's one that I've wrestled with numerous times because we can look both ways on that. I mean, for one, even though I want to be focused on the present, I still want to make sure I'm learning from the past. You know, if, if I step on a, a landmine today, I want to make sure tomorrow I don't step on the same one. So part of us does need to have a, a system in place where we're constantly looking at previous performances and finding ways to tweak those and move forward so that we can continue to get better. And then along the same lines, what you just brought up so insightfully is we also want to make sure we're prepared for the future. You know, I mean, uh, right now I'm focused on the present moment, but I'm hoping tomorrow does come around and I want to make sure I'm ready for tomorrow. So I think we want to make sure that we we pay homage to both the learning from the past and being prepared for the future, but we don't live in either one of those spaces. We're aware of them. Uh, we're doing our due diligence on both sides, but we're still in the present moment. A uh, perfect example would be, you know, uh, somebody in sales, you know, they've got a yearly quota or a quarterly quota of, of things they're supposed to sell. And it's okay to have that number off into the distance. You know, I'm supposed to sell a hundred whatevers by the end of February. And that's great to know that, but I don't want to live there. What I want to constantly ask myself is, what do I need to do today to get me closer to that 100 goal? What do I need to do this hour that will take me closer to that goal? What do I need to do right now in this very moment that will take me closer to that goal? And if I can stay in the moment and in the process, there's a very good chance that outcome of 100 will simply take care of itself. You know, especially if you have some analytics behind it. If you know that, that every 10 prospects you reach out to, one of them buys, well, now it's simple math. You know, if, if every 10, one of them buys and you have to sell 100, well, it sounds like you need to reach out to 1,000 people over the course of a month. Well, if we divide that 1,000 by, you know, uh, a five-day work week, four weeks by 20, uh, that tells me how many calls I need to make every single day to be in the process of being able to, reach that actual goal. And some days you'll go higher, some days you'll go lower. But then if I know that I have to make X number of calls today, I don't want to worry about any of the calls except for the one I'm about to make right now. That is the only call that matters because it's the only one that's directly in front of me. And then no matter whether this call goes well or not, 
It's in the rear view mirror. And now I focus on the next call. And this is very similar to building a brick wall. Uh, if you're tasked with building a brick wall, the best advice I have for you is lay each and every brick with care and precision. Mm -hmm. And if you put your focus on laying each brick perfectly, there's a very good chance that wall will just take care of itself. And if you are an excellent Mason in the Chicago area, get in touch with me because I need to hire one. Oh, Thank perfect. <laughs> and whoever that person is, yeah. you make sure you lay Pete's bricks, brick uh, by brick. That's right. It, uh, well, that's a whole other talk. It's <laughs> a whole other yeah. conversation. That's um, awesome. In terms of people being awesome for their job in the home renovation world. Yeah. That can be hard to find at times. So anyway, refocusing on here and now, huh? How's that for yeah. presence? Oh, and, that was perfect. Look at you. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to get your take on, is there... Anything else you really want to make sure we mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, those are really the big ones. And and I readily acknowledge that there's really nothing sexy about anything I've just shared. There's nothing flashy. There's nothing new. There's nothing trendy. You know, master the basics and the fundamentals during the unseen hours. Do your best to stay present. Like those, uh, those things aren't sexy. That's why they're not tons of Facebook memes or, or Nike slogans with those in them. But those are what's required of being awesome at your job. And if you can, once you've found something that you love to do, if you can fall in love with that process and doing that work on a daily basis, you will be awesome at your job. Mm -hmm. All right, I love it. Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? If you do the things others won't do, you'll have the things others won't have. And that really is something that piggybacks on everything that I just shared. You know, if, if you're willing to commit to the basics, which most people aren't, you'll have plenty of things that other people don't have. You know, if you're willing to be an active listener to the people you care about, you'll have deeper relationships than most other people have. Uh, if you're willing to lay each brick with care and precision, you'll probably build sounder and nicer walls than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And you'll get a lot of referrals. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Without question. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Ooh, well, there was an interesting one that, that goes back on that why I told your, your listeners to pick one thing. Uh, there's a gentleman named John Berardi, who is the uh, founder and CEO of a company called Precision Nutrition. Oh, yes. And he did a, a study and he found that when you try to focus on one behavior change, you have an 85% chance of being successful. That as soon as you try to split that in half and change two behaviors at the same time, rate of success drops to 40 to 45%. So almost cut in half. And then if you try to focus on three things at once, it drops down to four or 5%. So once again, the statistics will show and the research will show that if you want to change a behavior, just focus and get hyper clear on that one thing to change. So uh, I remember when I read that for the first time, that was eye-opening to me because at the time, I was trying to juggle many changes at once, uh, all of the time, and was getting frustrated with myself that none of it was working. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how about a favorite book? Leading with the Heart by Coach K. That was one of the first like epiphanal books that I read from cover to cover in one sitting that just completely jolted my the way that I looked at building teams and leading and creating cohesion in, in, with an organization. Uh, it's an old book, but it's it's still just as good as the, the day it came out. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I use the Headspace Daily uh, the Meditation app. It's a guided meditation and I use it daily. And uh, it's a, a 10 minute guided meditation, which allows me to start my day in a much more present way. Uh, it allows me to start my day in a grounded and mindful way. And it just kind of, uh, in a very soothing way, talks you through 10 minutes 
of keeping you present. And I really love it because I'm a, I'm a pretty competitive guy and there's kind of a daily run clock on it, which will say how many days in a row uh, ha- do you, is your headspace streak? Uh, and as of this morning, at the time of this recording, I have done this for 929 straight days without missing a headspace daily meditation. And uh, for me, it's, I, I just love that. And it's, you know, back to the brick by brick analogy, uh, most people will think, well, 10 minutes of meditation, what's that going to do? Well, I agree. A one-time 10-minute slice of meditation will do nothing for you. But I'm living proof that 10 minutes a day for 929 straight days can have a seismic effect on your presence and awareness and mindfulness and mood and the way you start your day. So it goes back to the brick by brick. One brick doesn't make a wall. Several bricks laid perfectly. Now you've got yourself a sound, sturdy wall. Mm-hmm. This is intriguing because here you are a case study. Yeah. 900 plus days. So not a lifetime, under three years. Yep. But an awesome habit that's locked in. So you say it's made quite a difference. Can you sort of lay that out for us? Because I think there's a lot of like borderline fence riding half meditators <laughs> listening yes. to the show. And I'm one of them, you know, in terms of it's like, oh, hey, I did that. And that felt kind of good. Okay, I'm glad I did that. And then I got busy. And it's like, oh, I didn't do that. And then so it's up and down. And I'm generally on board that the data is clear, the research that hey, the benefits exceed the costs. Yep. And then sometimes I just get wrapped up and uh, it's like, I don't, I, that sounds boring. I don't feel like it. So I'm not going to do it. Wah. You know, I, I'm a little sassy or self-indulgent. And then other times I, I do it and um, I'm so glad I did. Other times I do it. It's like, well, okay, well, that happened. So let's get your take so that myself and listeners may be convinced what is different for you now as compared to 900 plus days ago? I mean, the biggest difference I would say is is kind of my mood and outlook and how I start the day. Uh, like many people, um, I used to wake up and the first thing I would do would be check my phone, uh, check text messages, emails, social inquiries. Uh, and I started to find, like most people, that I was giving my power away, that I was putting my mood and rolling the dice into the hands of anyone that texted me, emailed me, or sent me something on social. And many times I was losing that battle. Uh, I would get something that would frustrate me or irritate me or upset me. And it's the very first thing I'm putting on my hard drive in the morning. Uh, and I just decided that enough was enough. And I, I, I wanted to make sure that that was not what I was doing to start my day. And I needed to find something else to replace it. And around this time, uh, somebody that was a, a mentor and, and very influential to me was talking about his own headspace meditation journey and how much it had helped him. And I think it was just perfect timing. Everything that you just said, I found true, especially in those first few months. Uh, there were times I didn't feel like doing it. There were times where even in that 10 minutes, I couldn't stay present for more than 10 seconds. My mind would start racing about all of the things I had to do that day. But over time, it just started to chip away. And over time, I just found that I was becoming more mindful. I was becoming uh, better with just sitting in silence for 10 minutes. That I was starting my day with a, uh, a little more pep in my step and a little wider smile because I was in this grounded fashion. I also like the consistency of it. You know, I travel a ton as a professional speaker, and this is something that I can do whether I'm home or whether I'm traveling. I mean, it's something I can do whether my kids are with me or they're not with me. So I had some control over it. And then, as I mentioned, I'm rather competitive. So, you know, once I had done it for, you know, 10 straight days, I was like, well, let's not stop here. Let's keep it going. And yes, there were definitely a few times where I did not feel like doing it, but I was like, you know what? I can't let my streak break. 
Uh, I started mm-hmm. putting it out on social because that's a form of accountability. Uh, I have people come up to me at my talks all the time and say, hey, Alan, what's your head, uh, headspace streak up to? Because they remember a few months ago, I posted you know, how many days I had in a row. So it's kind of a self-accountability, uh, like I mentioned earlier with that spotlight. But it's definitely allowed me to start my day in a much more mindful and controlled manner. And I know that's very hard to measure. Uh, once again, it's not super sexy, uh, but I've, I've found that it's, it's a great tool for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I think the most compelling thing there was, you know, you're not putting your mood in others' hands. I mean, that's powerful right there. So meditation, Headspace is a tool. Uh, I was going to ask about a favorite habit. That might be it. But if you have another one, uh, lay it on us. The longest running habit that I'm aware of that I have is probably going on 26, 27 years now. And it's similar to the, the meditation. Uh, I make my bed first thing every single morning. Um, I do that because I'm a firm believer that it takes discipline to make your bed. I mean, it might only take eight to 10 seconds, but it takes a little discipline. And that discipline is the key to freedom. Discipline is, is the key to everything that we want in life. You know, if, if your goal is to be happy and fulfilled, well, self-discipline is what's going to allow you to achieve that. You know, if you're a hard driver and your goal is success and significance in the boardroom, discipline is what's going to allow you to do that. So I love knowing that I start every single day with a very small, simple act of discipline. And then I parlay that right into my meditation. And, you know, the first 11 minutes of my day, I've kind of set the groundwork for the rest of the day. And if the rest of the day is going to be filled with adversity and challenge and chaos, and I'm expected to respond and put out fires, I'm able to handle those things much better just by laying that foundation first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And tell us, is there a particular nugget you share that really resonates with the folks and they quote it back to you? You're known for it? The number one, and this is not an Allen Stein Jr. original, um, I, I think Coach K was the first to do it, but where I really learned it was from Mike Jones, who is the head basketball coach at DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. I worked for him for six years and was just phenomenal. And he always talks about this concept of next play. And it's part of being present. And basically what he says, anytime during a basketball game when things don't go well, Coach Jones says, next play. So a player turns the ball over. No worries, next play. You missed a wide open layup. It's all right. Next play. I know the referee missed that call. Next play. And that mindset is what is what allows you to be in the present moment. You don't worry about what just happened. You're focused on now and what's about to happen next. And uh, I've had many people in my keynotes, you know, I'll give a 90 minute keynote and they'll say that was the stickiest, most helpful thing I shared was the ability to move to the next play. And many people have told me, I mean, they use it with their children. They use it with their families. I know I use it with my kids all the time. You know, my kids will get in an argument about something and I'll say, all right, let's resolve this. And then we're moving to the next play. You know, my kids will say, you know, they want a dessert after dinner and I'll say, well, not tonight. And they whine about it. And I say, hey, we're moving on to the next play. And uh, that terminology I found to be really sticky and something that's been very helpful uh, for not only myself, but lots of people that I've worked with. Mm, Lovely, thank you. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? They can go to raiseyourgamebook.com if they want to learn more about the book. Uh, And if they want to hear more about my speaking services and what I do on social, they can go to allensteinjr.com. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I would say actually what you just said is to put something that we talked about today into action, that knowledge without action is useless. I mean, it's no different than the book on your shelf that you haven't read. It's doing nothing to help you. So while you may have been sitting here listening to this episode and nodding your head, maybe even taking some notes and thinking, wow, this is great stuff they're talking about. If you don't actually put it into to motion, 
it's not going to change anything. So just remember, if nothing changes, nothing changes. All right. Alan, this has been a treat. Thank you. And I wish you lots of luck in your future adventures. Thank you so much, Pete. I appreciate you. You know, the thing that really stuck with me from my conversation with Alan here was working on one habit at a time. And I even encountered it. And I've been I've been trying a couple of things. One, I've been trying to be more consistent with hydration and mindfulness stuff. And I found that those things seem to be pretty leveraged for me right now in terms of being efficient, productive, high energy, rocking and rolling. And sure enough, on the days where I split my focus of habit building between both, okay, I'm gonna make sure I'm doing the hydration, I'm gonna make sure I'm doing the mindfulness meditation stuff. I, it didn't work so well. So now I've settled in on hydration and I have made that the primary and I am making the mindfulness stuff a little bit of a sort of bonus, extra credit situation. And if you wanna learn more about fantastic habit building stuff, do check out our episode with BJ Fogg. That's number 317. He's a master of this stuff. He talks about tiny habits. Very helpful stuff to reinforce that all the more. And again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F545. If you haven't already, I hope you will push the subscribe button. If you do so, you'll catch our next guest, David Marquet. Peep this. Dr. Stephen Covey himself called his submarine that he was commanding the most empowered workforce he had seen. So he knows a thing or two about leadership. He's sharing it very candidly. And it was a really fun conversation. I hope that you'll join us for it. Hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.